Okay. We're alive. So in uh, about 24 hours time, at least here in Montreal, maybe in other places, a little earlier or later, Rosh Hashanah will fall upon us. Rosh Hashanah, the new year, Jewish new year. And as we call it, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, we don't call it Tchila Hashanah, we don't call it the beginning of the year, but the head of the year. So that's something to take note. Why is it called Rosh Hashanah, the head? Furthermore, um, there's a there's a um, teachings from our sages that say that um, when you're close to God, call out to Him. King David says, "When you're close to God, call out." So when are you close to God? So the Talmud asks that question. So the Talmud answers, these are the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You're close to God, call out to him, pray to him more, pray with, with a minion, the quorum, and uh, it's a more auspicious time. So the Rebbe asks, on this teachings of the sages, so call out to God when he is close. Okay. We understand that. But what does it mean, the 10 days? What does it mean 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Those are the, the words, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's really only seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. 10 days are 10 days that include the first two days of Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur. So the seven days in between and the two and the one, that makes 10. But it's not between them. So the Rebbe says, it's a, it, the play on the words over here means, welcome, Leslie. It says that the play on the words means that there's something between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and something separate about them. There's a commonality between them and there is that which is not the common, not common between them. That's what it means. Okay. So we, of course, need to understand what's the commonality between them. And what is uh, separate and unique about them? Furthermore, the Talmud tells us, or sages tell us, as based on the verse in the Torah, what, what is this day called in the Torah? Does anybody know? Well, 
What is Passover called in the Torah? Is it it's actually Pesach? not called Passover. Pesach? Right. We call it Passover. What does God call it? Chagamatzis, the holiday of matzah. What is it emphasizing? The mitzvah of the day is eating matzah. Right? What is the holiday of Sukkot called? Sukkot, Chagasukkot. Right? So what's your, what's Rosh Hashanah called? Teshuva Davida. No. That's not what the Torah calls it. Yom Trua, a day of blowing. I'm blowing the shoifer. So the mitzvah sayoim the The mitzvah of the day is shoifer. Right? As the old saying goes, shofar, show good. Right? None of you are even smiling. <laughs> okay, Davida's on the floor. <laughs> so what do we have over here? We have the mitzvah of the day, the Torah is telling us, is Yom Teruah, blowing the shofar. The commonality between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we'll get to, there's a commonality. What is that commonality? And then there is what is unique about Rosh Hashanah. In other words, what's unique about Rosh Hashanah is not the fact that you blow shoifer. That's the mitzvah of the day. I mean, that's the unique mitzvah of the day. That's not the essence of the day. It's not the core of the day. And then there is the commonality. So first we need to know what is the essence of Rosh Hashanah, right? Then we need to know the commonality that makes it, sets, sets it apart from other holidays that makes it unique. Then we need to know the commonality between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as our sages say that between them, there's something between them, right, of them. And then the unique function of the day, the unique mitzvah of the day, Shafer. And all of this needs to tie in to the very name of the holiday, Rosh Hashanah. That it's Rosh, it's the head. How does it tie in to the concept of being the head of the year? We're good? So far, so good? So far? Yeah? All right. Sarah explains like this. The uniqueness of, of, of Rosh Hashanah, or the essence of Rosh Hashanah, is, as we say in the davening, that God should be, um, that he should um, become the king, the royal king over us. 
that we coronate him as a king. That's the essence of the day. That's the core of the day. That's the uniqueness of the day. Now, what does that mean exactly to coronate God as king? So on a simple level, you know, we all want to be, we all want to be king. We all want to be uh, in control of our destiny. We all want to be, uh, you know, dictating what should be. Comes Rosh Hashanah and says, no, 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 no. God is the one who dictates. He's the king. So it is the day that we say that we, we renew, right? We renew the fact that we want God to be our king. We want him to be coronated. That we want him, we want the relationship with him. That's what we want. We're renewing it. That's why it's the first day of the month. The new moon is sighted. The new light that is reflected off the moon is a new beginning in our desire that we want to connect to God. We want God to be our God. That's, in other words, uh, you know, think about it. You can have somebody that, you know, is important to you and you've maybe neglected the relationship. So now you're renewing the relationship. And that's why it's the, the first of the month, the first glimmer of the moon. You're renewing the relationship with that individual. So in a sense, that's what we're doing. We're saying, God, you know, we might have been neglectful this way and that way. And, you know, we weren't um, fully accepting of you. Rosh Hashanah is that that's the essence of the day, is that we want to have the relationship with God, that he is our king. Now, he's also our father, and we say Avinu Malkeinu, but the emphasis is more on, on being a king, and we are here to serve. In other words, and this is something I've said many times before that you've heard, you know, <laughs> think about it for a moment, and, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, wh where is the moment of, of a failing in our lives and I, and I see it. I see it myself in, my, in me. And the moment we fail is when we have decided that I want to be served rather than I'm here to serve. Now, just because I'm here to serve doesn't mean that someone should, uh, you know, uh, step all over me. That, that's not what it means, right? Because then you're not much service being stepped upon right if you are a shmata you know you're not you know not going to be much of a service to anybody right if that's what's happening so that's not what it means but it's very clear to me that the moment of failure is that when i want my needs to be served right? That's the beginning of where we 
where we will fail. If they're my needs, then what happens is, you know, I need this, I'm wanting, I'm lustful, you know, get out of the way. I'm getting what I what I need, what I want, what I desire. That's the beginning. If we're able to remain focused, and this is the challenge, and this is why, you know, we have a Rosh Hashanah to renew this idea of that I'm I'm here to serve. Right? I'm here to serve, meaning I'm not here to serve my needs, but what God needs of me. Now, God might need me to be very strong, very powerful, and not to be, you know, a lump on the log or, you know, just to be a shmata to, you know, a doormat that you're walked upon. Absolutely. A question. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you, Rabbi. So, but that's what God needs me to be. Right? That's what he needs me to be. That's very different. That's very different. So, Rosh Hashanah, the essence of the day is, the beginning of the year is, what makes this unique not that we don't have it in other times and other places we do we speak a lot about it right Tanya and so on but the uniqueness here is that we're renewing this idea that God should be coronated by us he's a king and we're here to serve and again um, as mentioned many times Think about it for a moment. You could be a very deep believer in God and yet really feel that God is the source of your blessings, but he's there for what I need. And therefore, I pray to him, I need this, I want that, and so on. And there's a truth to that, right? But that is the child's truth. The child's truth is that their parents are there for them. That's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> Can't deny that, right? But it's a child's truth. It's not an adult truth. Right? The adult truth is, no, they're not there to serve me, my parents. The adult truth is, then, or the child's truth is, is God is there for everything I need, and therefore I pray to him. And therefore, according to Torah, there is room for that. Absolutely. The biblical law is, when it comes to your needs, you need to come on to God and pray to him because he's the source. Of, absolutely. But from there, we can also then feel, well, you know, he's the source of everything that I need. And it's about me and the, my needs, and I know that he's the source of it. Comes Rosh Hashanah, that I'm now making God the king, and I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve that which he needs from me. So um, that's adult already. That's mature. 
So just to be, you know, pretty, now adult doesn't mean that when, you know, became bar mitzvah, all of a sudden that, you know, there's many people that are 50 years old and, and everything about life is self-serving. People that are 80 years old and everything about life is how it's self-serving to fulfill their needs. Meaning they haven't grown out of the childish, childish way that the Torah teaches us that we should rise above. Now, the beautiful thing is <laughs> that there's room for such a thing. There is. However, once you study Hasidis, you learn Tanya, like someone once told me, well, now that I know the truth, I can't go back. <laughs> now that we know the truth, you can't be the child anymore. And it's that we're saying, God, you're God, I'm your servant, and I want that relationship. That is important to me. That's the essence of it. Now, once we have that notion, then we can come to the, is there any questions on that before we go further? So once we have that notion, right? That truth. So what's gonna happen is the next level is the things between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, not the uniqueness of Rosh Hashanah now, which we just expressed, but the commonality that it has with Yom Kippur. What's the commonality between them? So this is the concept of tshuva, of penitence. Right? Now that I've accepted Hashem as king, oh, penitence now has a place because now you know who you're returning to. And you're returning from what? From being the child who um, thought the parent was there to serve them. You, now, then you become the adult and you're here to serve. So now you know, oh, there are a lot of things I did that was, you know, self-serving. A lot of things that I did in relationships and life in general that I wasn't there as God's servant to do what he needs from me. So I have what to do tshuva now. <laughs> right? I have the things that I need to fix. In other words, without first appreciating and declaring the relationship and the, you know, the, 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 uh, and having a clarity in the relationship, what, what's there to fix? can't fix something if you don't know who's on first and what's on second right and you know you don't know which which way to run and what to you know um which way to go but once and with this by the way we can understand why rosh hashanah comes before yom kippur right how does rosh hashanah well, you know shouldn't you fix things and then you know you're gonna have a good year wouldn't that make sense? Yom Kippur come first, fix, you know, get atonement, and then start your new year fresh. No. The new year comes first because the newness is the renewal of the essential 
desire to have a relationship with God where I am his servant. I'm here to serve what he created me for. After all, he created me, which we'll get into that if we have time. He created me, and I'm here to... So then once we've, we have established the appropriate relationship, now you can fix what needs to be fixed in that relationship that wasn't there before. So in the instances that I was, you know, I thought I was in control. I thought that I'm going to manipulate, manipulate things the way I want them because that's what I want, right? So now we know that there's things that I got to fix and do tshuva and return. And then after that, now I can function in a healthy way. Meaning I could do a mitzvah that's going to be done appropriately. And that's the third thing. The mitzvah of the day is Shreifer. Shreifer brings out the idea of coronating Hashem as king. That's true. That's, you know, but the essence of the mitzvah is God's desire that we're fulfilling. So now I could do, I could do the things that God needs me to do what he needs me for, I could do it with the right, you know, with the right mindset, with the heart in the right place. I can do all of that as a result. In other words, before I accept the relationship and it's the way it was meant to be, that I coordinate God as king and then fix what I need to fix, now I can act the way I need to act. Welcome, Sharon. I can act and do the mitzvah, the things that I'm actually needed for, the functions of my life in a good and healthy way. Is that clear? Any questions on that so far? Very profound, beautiful idea. Let's take it a step further. Let's take it a step further. But this now we can understand why the holiday is called Rosh Hashanah, as we mentioned. Because Rosh means head. The head, there are three components to the head, to the brain, to the mind, shall we say. There is the, the head itself, onto itself, the essence of it, right? There is how the head the, controls all the limbs of the body, the functionality of the person, right? The message center, the nerve center. And then there is how the functionality of all the limbs of the body are actually encompassed in the brain, in the mind. Sort of 
found there in some abstract way. Is that clear? Make sense? Yes. So now let's understand. Let's roll that out. So there is the essence of the of the mind. In other words, not the mind the way it is vis-a-vis -vis the limbs of the body and controls the uh, controls the body, but the mind for itself. That's like the essence of Rosh Hashanah, right? What it is for itself, not the way it, it relates to the rest of the body, controls the body, nerve center of the body, right? But the brain as it is, the head as it is, for itself, as itself, right? So to speak, like, not, not that the brain is not your, your thoughts, your brain is beyond your thoughts, but it's like your thoughts then lead to, to words and lead to action, right? And then there's just the thought for itself, the mind for itself, just to make a, a parallel, right? The essence of the mind. We have a mind, <laughs> we have a brain, we have a head. <laughs> Right, that's the core essence of it. So that is the essence of Rosh Hashanah, the essence of the head, as it is onto its own, so to speak. What is onto its own? Coronating God. That's where Rosh Hashanah, what Rosh Hashanah is. Then there is, we're going to, the the, the functionality of Rosh Hashanah. What's the functionality of Rosh Hashanah? Meaning the functions that we do, meaning the mitzvahs that we do, right? Just like there's the organs of the body have a functionality. As opposed to the head, the brain, right? Itself is not just about it, it onto its own, it's, you know, the awareness of the mind itself, right? The limbs don't have awareness. So in the end, they're really about a functionality in, in, this, in this sense. They're really about a, a functionality, right? That the hand can throw something, you can write, you know, you can write something. A meaningful statement that you write. Some of you are writing notes, right? That's a function of the limbs, right? That the brain is controlling that you could write something. So that's the way the, the head is in relation to the functionality of the limb. So that's Rosh Hashanah, how it relates to the functionality of the day, which is What's the function of the day? Which is the mitzvah of the day. Our function is do a mitzvah. That's blowing the shofar. Okay? We're shofar show good? Yeah? We're following? Yes. So, so that's the essence of the day. And then we have the functionality, right, of the, how, the, how the head controls the limbs of the body affects the limbs of the body. So the essence of the day is affecting the essence of Rosh Hashanah, of coronating God will come into a functionality 
of mitzvah. That's our function to do, right? To do mitzvah. What is the mitzvah of the day? Shofar. Blow the shofar. Then we have in between. We have how the limbs are found in abstract form, so to speak, in the mind, in the in the head, right? That sort of speak how it relates is because it, it has a relationship in its in itself of the limbs, so therefore it has. So in, 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 in the brain, there is, you know, every limb is found there in some manner. What does that mean? What's the metaphor of that? Of every mitzvah, every limb, which represents a mitzvah. Remember, there's 613 right, mitzvahs, 248 limbs of the body, which are 248 commandments of the Torah, 365 sinews flow of the blood, um, which are the 365 prohibitions, the negative commandments, the do nots, right? That when you do not, when you, when you don't do a prohibition, you're allowing the blood flow, figuratively speaking, and, and in a sense, literal, to flow through the limbs, the 248 limbs. But all of that is found in a ethereal abstract manner within the head, within the mind itself. That was the commonality between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which we said that was the concept of tshuva, right? So what is tshuva? Tshuva means penitence to return to Hashem. It means that when we failed, God gives us an opportunity to return to, to him. In other words, when the function of the body has, there's a limb that has failed or from one limb can bring to other limbs to fail, right? You need a healing now. So, If the message wasn't able to be sent from the brain appropriately to the limb that you to move the hand the way it needs to move or to write the way it needs to. So of course you can fix it in the limb. You also can fix it in its source to bring a healing there in the mind. So if you fix that, therefore the message will be sent through the nerve center from the nerve center if it's fixed there, then you can have a complete healing. That's the concept of tshuva. In other words, you're reaching to a higher place than where the where the, um, the, the 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 brokenness was affected in the body, right? And you're reaching to that place that will bring healing. I, just as a side point, and, and, and I just tying a, another thought of the Rebbe in over here, is with this we can understand how trach good, design good, thinking good, it'll be good, is 
truly a healing because where, where, where are you thinking? It's a, it's a product of the brain, right? That you have, you know, healthy thoughts and that brings a healing, not figuratively, literally to the limb. Now, it's not the only thing that brings healing, right? But it is a very powerful idea in bringing healing. Very powerful. And as we find out today, more medicine than ever before, how that is so crucial. So, what the meta? Let's take the metaphor to make sure we we get a clarity in the metaphor over here. There's the so there's the function of the uh, of the limbs, and then there is the way the limb is found in its so to speak in the mind, in the brain, in the head, right? That is um, beyond the functionality, the source of where the functionality comes from ultimately, right? So, so let's take that metaphor. There's the functions and the things I need to do in life. Mitzvah. That's what I got to do. But when I fail in a mitzvah, so I need to do tshuva. Tshuva means I'm not just, you know, I got a little boo-boo over here and I'm healing it here, but I'm healing it in its source. And, and this is where the metaphor falls apart because usually if you've got a little uh, you know you, you fell and, and you hurt your hand so you got to put some ointment and to bring a healing to the hand right but the healing that you bring to the hand will only be a healing from this moment onwards it doesn't affect retroactively right we haven't found those kind of healings yet <laughs> however chuva does Chuba reflect uh, uh, does something retroactive. How how how's that? Because we when we think of chuva that it's only to the limb that I'm now fixing, right? I spoke lashon hara. I uh, you know didn't uh, pray to Hashem. I uh, you know I uh, ate something you know that a Jew shouldn't eat, and so on. So I brought a, you know, figuratively speaking, an ailment to my spiritual well-being. So, okay, got to heal it. So just like you're going to heal at the spot, so I'm going to heal that, right? But that only brings healing henceforth. Now, sometimes that's all that's going to happen, depending on the kind of tshuva that we do. But if we do a, a real tshuva, then we reach to a higher place than where the healing was, where the, the wound is, because remember now this is not, this is a wound of the soul and the wound of the soul, since I'm reaching to a higher place, right, that is beyond the mitzvah. So now I can bring healing even retroactively, even retroactively. Not just from this point onwards. Like sometimes it depends on you know what kind of tshuva we do, but we can bring even retroactively. Now, how do you understand that? What does that mean? So, and this is a, you know another metaphor. When 
a mother tells her daughter, her seven-year-old daughter, you know, clean your room. And, you know, if you do it for a week, you'll get ice cream at the end of the week. She doesn't, she doesn't really do the job she's supposed to. But she coddles up next to her mother and says, mommy, I goofed, I didn't do it. I'm really, really sorry. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna do it. So when mother told her about rules and regulations, that's mo the mother who is responsible to create a parameters, create a, a, um, a, a life for the child that has rules and regulations. So you could call that's mom, the rule but who has the rules and regulation. But is that the relationship with her seven-year-old daughter is based on rules and regulations? No. Is that all of it? No. It's an important element because that's the responsibility that a mother has. She has to make rules and regulations for the betterment of the child. But that's not the, the relationship is deeper than that. The relationship touches a deeper place to where that when the child messes up, you know, oh, well, if, if you mess up and it's, you know, you're working for a, a company and you mess up and, you know, this is the rules, this is the regulation. Okay, maybe now means it's time for you to leave. The mother doesn't tell her child, okay, that's it, time for you to leave. <laughs> you messed up. Why not? It's because there's a deeper connection. There's a, a connection that that touches a deeper place in the in the mother that you can she can do chuva she can do penitence because you're touching a deeper place in the mother and therefore you could fix it and not only you could fix it but you could even fix it retroactively that your mom is going to look at you as you were before you did anything wrong now how's that possible it's because there is an essential bond So that's what chuva allows. And that's the middle, the idea of rush. Head, the three things in the head, right? That represent three different things of, of Rosh Hashanah. Let's bring it all together. The essence of the day is the desire for the relationship that God should be our king and we are here to serve. It can be simple things. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering things in order to serve, right? Just like, think about it. You know, relationship that you have with a spouse, with a child. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering things. It can be a very simple thing that you do in the service of a loved one. It's the same thing with God. It can be but it's not even about the actions yet. Now it's just about that desire to, to coronate Hashem, to crown him. That's what we want. That will lead me, as we said, that, and that is the head as it, as it is onto its own. That will lead me then to do tshuva, which is the head, the way the limbs of the body are found in the head. It's in, in a place where I can bring the healing 
right? A deeper healing, not just a healing that is in the place where there's the wound, but the source, because I'm touching to a, a deeper place. And then of course, there's the function of what I need to do. And what are the functions I the mitzvah of the day? Shaifar. Gotta hear the shaifar, which incidentally means all of us here in Montreal, for example, we have a hundred parks that we're going to. A hundred parks. Um, to blow shaifar because the mitzvah of the day, the most important thing is the blowing of the shaifar. Apples and honey is wonderful. Uh, prayer, we need to pray, of course. But the most important thing is to make sure we hear the shofar. So many people are not going to synagogue still here, at least in Montreal, and I'm sure in other places too. Therefore, we need to bring the king to them <laughs> and blowing the shofar <laughs> and that connection. So uh, yeah, very important that that's what we make sure we need to do wherever we are. And, um, and to, that's why on the day, one of the ways that we, you know, we say a lot of Tehillim on that day, not so much a day of study, but more a day of acceptance of Hashem. So one of the ways we do that is by saying Tehillim, it's a very, um, with that, then we can understand how the day is an awesome day because it's a day that God is renewing his, uh, you know, connection to us and to the world. And that's how it becomes a day of judgment. So it, it's a day of judgment as a, as a consequence of this idea, right? It's a consequence of this idea. So, um, The focus then becomes not not on the the focus is even though in the prayers does speak about judgment, but the focus of the day is more about an acceptance of God, who is the one who's making that judgment. And since there's that acceptance, so we also are trusting that God will, in fact, give us. He's gonna write and, and, and be, that will be sealed for a good year and a sweet one. The goodness will be sweet, not bitter, not bittersweet, but sweet. In other words, Instead of worrying of what's going to be, we do what we got to do. We shafer, we say Tehillim, we pray. Without anxiety of what's going to be, because we're trusting it's going to be good. Now, the truth is there were great holy people and 
who you know knew what was going on upstairs and there were sometimes decrees against communities you know many many such stories and uh, that Tzadikim would cry bitterly on, on Rosh Hashanah trying to change the decree but that was crying for others and working on their behalf as Tzadikim do for others that ours is not to cry bitterly oh God you know spare me um, I mean, I would say not to cry bitterly. Maybe not. In other words, it, it is asking for a good year. At the same time, in the asking, having trust that that's what God's going to give us. So it's not that we're not asking, and it's not that it's not heartfelt. It's not you know just you know. Oh, by the way, can you give me a, a thought, you know, can you uh, seal me? No, the prayers are heartfelt and, you know, and so on. Um, heartfelt because we're trying to dig deeper inside of us to connect more deeply with Hashem in order to coronate him as our king and therefore do tshuva to him to return. So we're doing that in a heartfelt, deep way. We're trying to connect deeper but not with the anxiety of what will be. Right? It's a very nuanced idea here, right? As many people, <laughs> I remember when I first came, when my wife and I first came to Montreal on Shlichus. So we were actually on campus on McGill University, the Chabad House on Peel Street, for those who are aware of it. So, um, so we had students coming in and you saw, you know, as many people who go to synagogue, they're not really so comfortable in a synagogue. If you only go three times a year, you're not going to be comfortable. Right. So these students I saw, uh, you know, our first Rosh Hashanah, I see they're not so comfortable. So yeah, my opening remarks, um, uh, Actually, it might have been Yom Kippur that I said this. I don't remember. It might have been Yom Kippur. Right, Rosh Hashanah. And then he could, whatever, same idea. So um, I, I say that, you know, I want to, um, that this should be a, a good experience for everybody, a meaningful experience. And, uh, uh, and uh, part of making it meaningful, if you have a question, feel free to ask. Don't be embarrassed. An embarrassed person doesn't learn, and you don't want to make a meaningful and a learning experience, so please ask. And I said, that's our first rule. Ask, don't be bashful. And I said, the second rule is, there's no smoking in the bathroom. Oh, okay, Rabbi, of course, of course. Yeah, we, we, you know, we, we won't, we, we wouldn't think of it. God, you know, no. So I said, and, and everybody, that was a joke. <laughs> and no one took it as a joke. Everyone was dead serious. Okay, you know, we got that rule. We will, you know. No, no, that was a joke. I was trying to, you know, stop shaking in your boots. You're full of anxiety. You're you're uncomfortable because you're in synagogue when you you know you haven't been comfortable yet. 
Um, and you're uncomfortable because it's the day, uh, you know, it's Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Kippur, you know, a day of uh, atonement, a day of this, and, you know, God's going to strike me. So, you know, I'm uh, really concerned, really worried, and um, full of anxiety. Da -da -da -da. No, that's not what it's meant to be. They have anxiety. That's why you want to leave, you know, who wants to have that anxiety? Who needs it, you know? So you don't lose it and you, and you, you know, quickly leave. Be comfortable. Make yourself at home. And um, be at home. Be at home with in a shul. Be at home with God. Be at home. And if you are at home and you're not going anywhere because you're not going anywhere, whether it's COVID or whatever, all right. Roshana is still Roshana. What we learned, we just learned, is still very much real for us in our lives. And um, have, you know, it's a time to dig deeper so we connect deep more deeply, as we've just expressed. But there's no place to be full of anxiety, full of, you know, uncertainty. Um, no, trust in Hashem and it's going to be uh, for all of us written and sealed for a good year for a sweet and wonderful year beyond our expectations Hashem will grant us this tough shin pay base it's the year uh, it should be the year of Poloim. Poloim means wonderment. Uh, Poloim and great wonderment. Great wonderment. It's going to be the ultimate wonderment. Mashiach now. All right. Any questions? Any comments? Any thoughts? Anything anybody wants to ask, share? Now's the time. Yes, Rabbi Fine. I just had a quick question. Uh, first of all, what an amazing class that was. Thank you so much. Oh, one second. I'm so, one second. Go ahead, Davida. I was just wondering, what is the uh, relevance behind the numerical number of the sounds of the shofar? Like you, you have to have it 30 times, right? And then... Um, I mean, what is, what's behind the reason? Is it kind of like an alarm clock where you kind of like hit snooze and it keeps going to wake us up? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a, a good metaphor. Um, it is, um, it is a wake up call. So there's actually a hundred blasts all together and the hundred blasts are for the 10 parts of the soul coupled with each other. 10 times 10 is a hundred. Um, so that's one idea. Ultimately, the revelation of the blast of the Shafer in Rosh Hashanah of a hundred is in is in um, is in awe that we're awe inspiring that we are standing before Hashem on this day that will then become the schach, which is 
the, the roof of the sukkah. And schach is uh, spelled samachof, chof, samach is 60, chof uh, is 20, 20, 20, that's 40. So 60 and 40, 100, that it will be revealed then in the sukkah of 100 that the schach represents in joy. So now is the Yomim Noorayim, as they're called, the days of awe, and then it will be the days of joy, of Simcha, Zaman Simcha Seinu, the time of our joy, which we'll get into more of that when we get there. But there's a relationship then that goes through the entire Tishrei of the days of awe that come into the days of joy. So more on that to come. But a hundred is like, you know, perfection. Okay. Any other questions? Good one. Thank you, Davida. All right. So, Matt, I guess everybody, uh, we uh, we got it all. A good year, everybody. Sweet year. Only good things. May be blessed with all good. Tomorrow we're gonna learn Tanya and we'll learn the Rambam, of course. We will continue, and uh, next week we'll uh, we'll learn about Yom Kippur next week. Hey, okay. Sweet good year to everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Thank you, Be well. Shana Tova. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.